0: podcast.
1: Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac podcast. And on this episode, breaking up is hard to do. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> yes, this episode, no, we are not breaking up as a podcast. We're talking about breaking up the party, as in splitting the party up and party infighting.
0: Friends, the Game of Interdimensional Adventure, from tri Games. Antarctica 2010. A Japanese research team finds a portal to alien and alternative Earths. Only one person in 100,000 has the special ability that lets them use the portal and travel the pathways to infinity. You are this person. You are the Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is the first RPG of interdimensional adventure across millions of alternative Earths. Fringeworthy is available at Tritag Games at dot fringe.htm. A million million worlds await you. Go visit them.
1: There's also uh, what they call mirror neurons, which are where you can see someone else's emotions and then you kind of feel them. It's where empathy basically comes from. From everything I've been reading and where the studies are going, this one level removed of internet where people can be meaner on the internet, it's because you can't see their emotions. So you can't feel the empathy for them. So it gives you the ability or the license to be meaner. Some people just kind of naturally go into that. Uh, and I think that's where you have like with Skype, you know, you can't see the person. So you can't see when they're getting frustrated or angry. And even if you know they are, your empathy is maybe not kicking in as much as it would normally if you were in the same room with them or even looking at them on camera.
2: I see this sort of thing happening a lot when there is either a gender mixed group or when there is a age mixed group. Okay. One person feels they're being treated dismissively uh, or they consider someone else to be behaving in a superior fashion because you know that may actually be their attitude toward the other members of the group. For example, if you had a 20-year-old player with a bunch of 12-year-olds, right? how long do you think it is before the 20-year-old tries to take over the group?
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. As a matter of fact, when I first started gaming, I was 11 years old. And I had joined a group of teenagers. So these guys were all, you know, 14, 15. This was, and this was at the local library. And they had, uh, being that it was a local library and the libraries allowed them to use this room, it had to be an open group. So they, they couldn't deny anyone playing. So I was down there. And, God, I was. it was awful. I mean, when I think back to that, I just think about how terrible they treated me. You know, <laughs> you know, my character—I lost characters left and right. You know, I, I wore glasses at that time, and they called me the owl, being the young guy. But you know, I stuck it out. I went through a, <laughs> through a lot of a lot of characters during those days. But yeah, that that does happen. So we've established that the end fighting can be bad. And it can it can you know manifest itself personally with the group. One of the ways that Bruce is talking about, which I think is probably the best way, is having people separate, take a few minutes, take a breather, and then I mentioned, you know, try and figure out what's going on, like really, what what the underlying thing is. Uh, one of the other ones I'm going to throw in there is don't drink when you game if you have this issue, because I know, uh, and I mean, drink alcohol, because I know that our group uh, we like to drink when we play, and we've got one player who tends to get he's he's a little bit of an angry drunk. So when he starts getting drunk, he doesn't physically fight with anybody, but when he gets angry, or gets drunk, rather, he gets drunk and he starts to get a little bit angry, he's a bit of a bullhead, and his bullheadedness goes up two or three notches, and the more he drinks, the more it goes up. So he'll get stuck on something.
3: Oh, so he's a belligerent drunk, yeah.
1: Yeah, just can't get through to him. And it's at that point where it's basically, yep, the game's over tonight, okay, guys, I would say if you don't recognize this and your group plays and drinks and, you know, just kind of look back maybe and say, hey, look, when we drink and we've been drinking a little bit and the game's gone a little long, have you noticed that we fight a lot more and have a lot more problems? Because alcohol can really impair your way to your, your gaming experience.
0: Yeah, I learned that in the Army, especially when you're GMing and you're drunk. Oh, dear Lord, you come up with some really bad decisions when you're drunk
1: oh my god oh yeah so the guy i'm talking about he he does tend to game master some and it's it's really crazy when he's drinking and game mastering we actually had um we had one night where we were gaming and the next week when we got together he's like all right like forget last week it didn't happen it was a." Uh, it was a it was a dream that you guys all had, and some of the stuff that you know that's going to happen. It was just treat that as sort of like a, a psychic insight, and I'll let you use it whatever you can remember because I can't remember most of it. <laughs>
0: I can beat really, John. We did a marathon tra- traveler game. It lasted twenty four hours, and I don't think we sobered up until the until ne- the following Monday. Right, we went twenty four hours, and we stayed pretty much. Tra- Drunk the entire time he went on a bender more or less playing
2: traveler
1: <laughs> Jeez. well
2: john you bring up the other situation which is where you play too long
1: oh yeah
2: as you talked about peter there's been a number of times when something's happened and it's like oh look it's 3 a.m i think we should call it for the night right and then, of course, the next day you come back and say, "Okay, let's why don't we rewind that situation back and redo that that particular combat or or whatever that is because I think we were a little bit too tired to make good decisions." And I'm including the GM because you know usually I was the GM and there are a couple times I did some things that I was like, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at a player and I'm just like, oh man, let's just kill you now. <laughs> <laughs> then I realize it's 2 a.m., and I'm like, okay, I think we're done. <laughs> Usually the other players are like, yeah, yeah, we're done. <laughs> they're all like, they break out in smiles, they're putting their books away. You're like, oh, man, I'm so glad they stopped.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, actually, you see this more often than not at conventions where, where basically it's the midnight game, and, they're, and at that point, you know, at this point, don't play anything serious. Play fiasco. Don't play anything serious because you will not be able to maintain this level of seriousness. Well, Dread's good for that too, by the way.
3: Admit not you're
1: drunk, anyways. Yeah. If you're having in-game fighting, you know, any one of these situations, play too late, you're drunk. Uh, there's some kind of issue going on. If you're having character fighting, uh, most of the time, you can, you know, just just look to the source. It's like, where is this coming from? This is this might be there might be like a really big underlying thing. Now I, I will say, and this this will go to the one I don't know how you fix this. You know, it's, somebody has to agree to leave the group or something. But when you have a personality conflict with somebody, we had that in our game, and ha, shocker, I was one of the members in the party that was that was having the of of the two of us that was having a personality conflict. Me and this other guy just did not get along at all. There were times where we would butt heads, and I, I felt like, okay, so so I'm going to tell it from my end. Of course, everybody realized there's his side, the other person's side, and then what's really going on. So here's my side. I felt that the person was really annoying and was was doing stuff. Either he was too stupid to understand that what he was doing was disruptive, or he was doing it on purpose. Now, there may be a third option, but I'm not going to agree that there really was one because I never did resolve it with this guy, and I still don't care for him. But, <laughs> but I'm willing to offer that I might be wrong, maybe. But but uh, yeah, basically it boiled down to one of us had to leave the group for us to game together in any kind of um, any kind of you know peaceful way, you know I'd been around longer, so I pretty much stayed, and everybody kind of pretty much preferred that anyway. I even tried; I tried to meet him halfway, and it just wasn't working out. But that there was a, just a serious personality conflict, and I don't think it was ever going to be resolved.
0: Okay. I think the worst case scenario is when the players start considering the GM to be their enemy.
1: Oh. Oh, there's, oh, I didn't even think of that, John. That's genius. Yeah, when the players are fighting against the Game Master.
0: It happened to me. I was running a Traveler game. Ended up in a situation where I was looking at things and going a certain way, and the players basically wanted to Munchkin Traveler. The streams got crossed, and yeah, the game pretty much broke up and we ended. But yeah, it was toward the end there. It was like, why am I doing this? I'm not having fun anymore. I'm not having fun their games. I'm not having fun playing in their games. I don't play this, this way, and yeah, it's it basically ended with me just stopping to play with these folks at all. Period.
1: Familiarity breeds contempt. There are times when you've been gaming with the same group too intensely, too long, you wind up finding contempt for one another. Uh, just just the same way, any you know couple or any group of people that spend too much time together, they they just they start to uh, get on each other's nerves.
2: If you and your significant other are in the same gaming group and you're having a fight, don't go to the game.
1: Oh, right.
2: Yeah. There won't be any bleed over. We can just act like normal, can't we, honey? Oh, yes. Sure. (laughs) I hate to say
0: this. If you had a really bad day at the office or your job really just sucked that day, you're going to take it out on the GM or the other players when you go to the game.
2: Well, unless you're real upfront about it. I mean, I, I know that there are some times when people come in and they'll say, just let me kill something. Yeah. yep. And if the GM hears this, they know what's going on, then if it's possible, they can give them what they want. <laughs> they, they can do a different part of the scenario. They can run a different game. They can do something. But... If you're in the middle of a, of a high-stakes negotiation and, and half the people in the group had bad days at work and they just want to kill something, it's probably not going to work out. And the other players are going to get real mad at that. It's the time you say, we're not going to play this game today. We're going to do a little break game and we're going to play this game. And you bring up the and Smash game, you know. As long as everybody's on board with that. Otherwise, you'll have resentment from the other players because they came to play the game that they came to play.
3: Well, John, it's better than if you're having stressed-out games and and the players are all stressed from their job. You don't want to spring on them your game idea that you wanted to do. (laughs) My Little Pony, fringeworthy is Magic. Yeah, that that might be bad. That was something we discussed pre-show, folks.
0: (laughs) Having said, My Little Pony, fringeworthy is Magic, you know the Bronies are like, Yeah!
3: And then you realize just how many are in your group, you're like, oh. But no, um, if your players have a bad day and they say, Oh, I just want to kill something, you do realize there are certain GMs that look and just with a grin on their face and go, challenge accepted, and the players all go, (laughs) I know I'm guilty of that. Yes. (laughs) You want to kill something? You want to have an enemy to fight? Like Eric would say okay you know
1: <laughs> all right so I, th- I think you know we're pretty much hitting this pretty good and I, and I don't think there's a ton more to 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 expand on this that isn't like you know duh but if you guys are ready i'd like to, to start talking about how it can be cool how, how player player versus player can be kind of cool or player infighting can be cool
2: uh be my guest you mean no. character infighting?
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry, C- character infighting. Sorry, character infighting.
2: Oh, that, yeah, yeah.
3: You can have fun with that. Player, uh, there's no upside.
1: Yeah, There's. The, you're right, you're right. There's no upside to that. All right, so so character infighting. So, you, you know, you can have the, the friendly rivalry. So that's where the, the two characters, they feel a competition between them. Now, this can be a jovial thing, or it can be a genuine, I hate him, I've got to beat him at everything. But it's not like... You know, it's not like they'll shoot each other. I mean, unless they're like cyborgs and they can shoot each other and get away with it. (laughs) You know, uh, but, but, you know, you have like with like maybe you have two magic users in a party and and they're both trying to show off, you know, who's the better wizard. They're trying to show each other up. That can lead to hilarity, especially if they're playing pranks on each other and stuff.
0: Or especially if they're from different schools of magic. Ah, you're into fire magic. Oh, isn't that wonderful? How
1: quaint.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Character in fighting? Oh, I have a good story for that. Okay, go ahead. Okay. It was me and my now former roommate, my buddy. He was playing, if you're familiar with the D&D classes, a human warblade from the Tome of Battle. I'm playing a warforged artificer. We're chasing after a wizard. And he's throwing fireballs in this like two-story longhouse-type building. Jerry decides to, okay, I'm going to cut the support beam, the center one. Guess what two characters didn't make their reflex save to get out of the falling building? So I'm there, my my character is laying where Jerry's character is, I turn my head, I'm looking at his feet. And we're just, I'm like, okay, breather, which is for Warforge from Everon, a derogatory term meaning... Organics. Breather, as long as I live, I'm going to find a way to get you for this. And his character is looking at mine and says, Yeah, but the wizard's not throwing fireballs anymore. I'm gonna find a way to turn you into a new. Yeah, but I'm not he's not throwing fireballs at us. The characters were had a rivalry for the rest of the campaign. Me and Jerry are looking across my gaming table just grinning. And that's just the rapport that he and I have. I've known him now for 26 years. I went to college with the guy. And just everybody's looking at us, they're going, most players would be livid at each other. You two are grinning like Cheshire cats. It's because we knew that it was a character infighting. And we just, the characters, they work together. That was about it. You couldn't even call them friends. They just happen to work for the same boss. But that that's my perfect example of character infighting, how the players have fun with it, but the characters themselves just it can go on for the rest of the game. That one incident where they're constantly nitpicking at each other for the rest of the, excuse me, the campaign. If you can't do things like that, it usually would be a problem with the player that they can't separate that. But yeah, as far as it, it being entertaining, because even after a while, the players in character are looking at the two and going, oh, shut up already. You know, <laughs> let it go. He had to do it. He had no choice. Shut up.
0: <laughs> oh, heck. I think some settings play into uh, in fighting, right? Like I said, I'm playing a, uh, a Bulldogs game. It's a crap sack universe, and we're all more or less shanghai to work on this transgalaxy transport ship. Um, well, my character isn't because he came with the ship. He's a, a, a droid. But the rest of the characters are all, we're more or less shanghai So there is none of that standard. You know, we, we, we all know each other and we all work together. No, we don't know each other from Adam, and we all have entirely separate objectives and ideas of what we want to do. So it leads to a lot of infighting <laughs> amongst the characters. Uh, but we keep track of it, and we keep, and we make sure we don't doesn't go into the player infighting. We work really hard to keep it in keep it on the character infight.
2: A lot of times it depends an awful lot on whether or not everybody has bought into the concepts of how the interactions between the players are going to be. Uh, if you're uh, playing a D&D game and you are expecting to play heroic high fantasy and everybody else is playing a, uh, a gritty back alley type group, you're not going to be very happy because people aren't going to be reacting the way you want them to react or they're not going to have the goals that you want them to have. So that I think that's those kind of expectations are part of it. But another thing is, and if I may borrow the rules of improvisation, there are two major rules of improvisation. One is always say yes. When another player says, "My character is gonna go do this, you want to say yes. The player should support the player even if the character doesn't necessarily support the other character. And the second thing is to always follow yes with an and. In other words, Add to the story. You don't want to hang the other player and the other character out to dry. That character wants to go do something, you need to support it somehow through the actions that you do. The character themselves doesn't have to necessarily want to do what the other character wants to do. But at the same time, they can do things to help out. For example, they can distract the guard, the, the captain, so that the character can sneak off and do it. Of course, the most obvious, they can go off with them and help them. But you can add elements to the story, especially if the GM allows you to add elements to the story to make it interesting for you while still supporting what the other person wants to do. So while you're off there doing this, I'm going to be over here doing this. It creates a meta goal that both are actually supporting each other, yet at the same time, the specific goals that each are going after may have nothing to do with each other. It takes some creativity to do that, and if the players expect to have to do that, then it works out a lot better. Sometimes your game system can help you. Uh, Currently, I'm
0: playing in a Bernie Wheels game, and we knew there's going to be a big conflict between two of the characters. So, the GM sat down and said, Okay, we're going to set up the conflict. We're going to use the rules in the game to sell the conflict. Uh, everyone happy with that? And we said, Yep. And we basically used the dual wits uh, system in Burning Wheel to resolve the conflict. Ended up with the uh, Prince character getting his way, but he had to give a concession to the other character based on the rules. Basically, we ended up having our cake and eating it too, in terms of, yes. We're going to go on and go to Scoria Deep and open up the mines again. But yeah, we're going to go over and take a look at this thing we found and check it out really quick. So we basically got to do both, uh, but we were under time constraints for the uh, checking out the interesting thing we found. It allowed the players to get what they wanted. It allowed us to have a pretty pretty fun uh, adventure that game because
1: of that. We had an instance where we had character infighting. It was, it was kind of interesting. This was years ago. This is back during a cyberpunk campaign. Cyberpunk, go figure, right?
0: Crap sack world.
1: <laughs> Me and this other character, my friend Zach. One night I wasn't there at the game. His character did something to my character, and... Uh, he felt justified in it because his character had this, uh, you know, he had he had this whole like idealism. You know, his character felt that my character was doing something, you know, that he shouldn't be doing. So he took care of things. My character found out, was really PO'd about the whole thing, but he didn't know who had who had done it. And then at some point, it slipped, and he found out. But the other guy's character, I'll just say names. So so Zach, it was me and Zach. So Zach's character or my character found out that Zach's character was the one that caused this to happen. However, Zach's character didn't know that I found out, so he didn't know that I knew that, you know, blah, blah, blah. My character exacted his revenge on his character and basically did the same thing to him that he had done to mine. It was really crazy the way we set this up. In matter of fact, I don't even remember how this worked out, but basically I met with the Game Master and I went through the whole scenario and he played the adventure out for me. There were times where I was just like, okay, if this happens, this is what I'm going to do. If this happens, this is what I'm going to do. So I figured Zach's character, because I was doing it while Zach's character was still around, though. So in the next game session, we got together, and I got to watch this stuff unfold onto Zach's character, and he had no idea that my character was behind it all. And it was crazy. It was insane. And this is how you can tell you've been playing with somebody for a long time, and you know somebody very well— I predicted almost every single thing that he was going to do and and laid it out almost perfectly and it was it was awesome because I got to watch him he, he the the Zach really got pissed off and he was standing up and he's just like what who's doing this to me right and he's just like oh my god I can't believe this it was a couple weeks later that he found out that it was me like in real life like Zach found out that I did that and he we laughed about it because it was awesome. It was one of, the, one of the best adventures we had ever had was because of that. That was character infighting, but it worked out, and it, it really turned out to be a lot of fun. As you may tell, there's a lot of depth to this. I could tell the story. It would take me an hour to tell the whole thing.
3: Oh, yeah. Backstory. Of course, yeah. yeah.
1: If you do it right, and you guys are good friends, and you understand that you know it's for the love of the game, you can do something where the characters screw each other over, but it doesn't hurt your gaming group.
3: Oh, no, I think what it is is that when you have the character in fighting, the best way for it to happen is if the players involved have known each other. And sometimes it has to be ten plus years because you have that rapport, it's like a jazz rip. You know how to play off each other, and that particular little fight, it's a gestalt. It's better than the sum of the parts. It becomes something in and of itself where in like in my group, we've had that, and we've had running stories now for 25 years about certain events that have taken place in like old champions games. So it's good that you have the rapport to do that where you can play off each other and you know, okay, we know where to go, we know our no-go zones, and just roll with it. We both know instinctively certain things we don't do where this will no longer be civil and fun. And that that's just players gauging each other due to years of knowing or like a game master and a player doing it
1: probably not going to work out if you've been playing this character for a while and your character has been working towards something in particular like you you know your character has been working very hard on something and then another player comes in and does something to completely destroy all that probably not a good idea nope Probably not going to be able to get around that because now the player's like, dude, I have spent the last six months playing this game trying to set this thing up. You knew I was doing that, basically just derailed all my efforts for the last six months. Probably not going to be able to get around that.
3: That leads to player infighting then. Yeah, there could be a lot of motives. I mean, usually selfish or malicious. In that case, then the GM needs to step in. Now, if the GM didn't see that coming, if literally this player who did this told no one and just pulls it out of the aether, that's when the GM has to step in and that aforementioned break. Okay. Smoke break, potty break, corner store break. And then you point to that person who, who screwed things up and is like, you and I need to have a talk.
1: Yeah. It's like, do you really, really want to do this? I mean, what, what is your end game? What, what's your goal here? Yeah. You know what this is going to lead to. You know they are not going to be okay with this, and you're going to derail everything for everybody by taking this next action.
3: And also, I'm sure that this player that did you know, six months of work, everybody knew you can't hide six months of work in a game. I mean, th- at least the game master would have to know. And just you can't hide that. So you know that... It, it's going to come down to that where the game master is just like, okay, we have, we've been talking about this plot line for months and you threw a monkey wrench in with one sentence.
1: The only thing I can think of where it, it would be kind of okay, God, this is where you, you have to really put your, your game mastering chops you know uh, to the test. And that's where what if one player is doing something that he knows is going to lead to this. It's like, then what do you do? I mean, it's like, if you do this, you know, the other players are not going to be happy with it. It's, you know, you, you, now you're going the other direction. It's like, um, don't be surprised if they don't try to destroy this thing that you've spent all this time trying to set up. Don't be mad when that happens.
3: You want to do this. You do realize there are six other people at the table. One they may just, you know, try to knock it out of the air for S&G. Two, it may be, what's the term, incongruous with their plans for the overall course of the campaign, what they want. So either it could be, excuse me, either short-term out of malice or long-term due to uh, conflict of interest. That's something else the Game Master has to look into.
1: So let's break it down and make it nice and easy, to nice and easy to understand. Let's say you're playing a campaign and you have a character who is a knight and he serves the king and he has made it very clear that he is loyal to the king. And another player decides he's presented with an opportunity to betray the king for, for money or for whatever. If you do this, you know that this other character is, you two are going to come to blows.
0: I don't know. If he's given the opportunity. That's the GM screwing over the player then.
1: Yeah, the GM is giving him that opportunity, but that's where you have to decide what's best for the group. This goes all the way back to character generation when you're making your characters up. One of the things that, that I've had discussions with with the players you know players I game with is that sometimes you have to make an excuse in that character's personality to do things that are better for the group. Don't make up a character that has certain personality traits. And then you are bound to those personality traits. And it's like, my hands are tied. I can't help what my character does. That's what he would do. So he's going to do it and screw everybody over. Sorry, that's the character I made. That's irresponsible. What you need to do as a player, if you're going to do something that's going to screw up things for everybody, find an excuse within that character. Hey, maybe this is his moment of redemption or... This is my opportunity to do something different with this character and then maybe take him in a different direction. Don't do that stupid excuse where it's like, ah, I have no control. I made the character and this is the way I made him. You know, that's an excuse. So, John, like, like what you're saying, if the Game Master presents him with this opportunity. Hey, maybe this is an opportunity to test his loyalty. It wasn't an opportunity for him to get money. Maybe it's an opportunity for him to go. You know what? I really need to reexamine my priorities in life. I've got this character, this other guy I'm traveling with in my party, and he's a good buddy of mine. You know, maybe this is an opportunity for us to grow and bond closer.
3: Oh, great! Your character is having a midlife crisis.
1: <laughs> well, it could be. I mean, you know, but it depends on how much you get into doing your characters.
3: Yeah, I can see it now. You're a D and D player. Yeah, I go out and venturing. I go home. The wife is there. I got the two kids. You know, I bring home wealth every so often to feed them, but you know, just it's I, I, it's time to re examine my life. It's time to go see the, the young princess and shack up somewhere. You know,
0: just, <laughs> just become a murder hobo, you know? Just kill people, loot your stuff, and go on to the next place. Right. A concrete example would be the dread pirate Roberts deciding not to kill the six fingered man we had a chance because. He knows Igneo Matoya wants to kill him himself, from Princess Pride, for
3: those who think it's a reference. That would make for a real short story that uh, Peter Falk was reading to Fred Savage, too.
0: When you're creating characters, don't create characters at home. Do it at the table and talk amongst yourselves. Yes, you're going to spend one session making characters, but at least you can make characters that will work together instead of making characters at home and bringing them in and saying, oh, well, it's a good idea. It never is.
3: They, they give me the character idea, and because I have so many house rules, I'll just create the character. And I may have to do a rewrite or two because, oh, well, I meant this. Okay, fine, get off the eraser. Pee me an ocean. Do not leave anything out. Tell me everything about this character. And, yes, I want to know favorite color, shoe size, and favorite breakfast. Just give it to me. And I'll spend an hour with them on the phone or, you know, two hours talking to them. I make the characters, and I'll sit there and tell them, okay, so far we have this, 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 and this. Do you want to have a character that has similar things as character A, or do you want to try to fill a niche? And then motivations, what are they trying to do? Okay, these characters have this. Oh, you're going to have this? Uh, okay, we have a problem.
1: Yeah, I guess what we're talking about here, this this is the part of the preventing in fighting, because now what we're doing is, I mean, we're going all the way back to to character construction, the core character construction and we're avoiding the infighting before it even begins.
3: Oh yeah, the best way to take care of a problem is stop it before it starts.
1: Again, take it back to the, to the back to the basics, the D&D, you know, uh basics. You know, we're not going to allow there to be a lawful good character and a neutral evil character in the same party. You can allow that if you want to, but you are setting yourself up for that for what we're talking about. It's going to happen to you.
0: You can't have the paladin in the same on the same party as the assassin. Yeah.
1: Right, exactly. Assassins and paladins. I
3: have a campaign like that where I have two neutral good, a chaotic good, two lawful neutral, a lawful evil and a neutral evil. They were all kidnapped. It, it it's my Farscape meets Everon campaign, Space Chase. And I wanted different alignments because I wanted the role playing. That was the campaign where all of a sudden the fight broke out among the people. Some people were diving, some people be- it's because I wanted that role-playing, and I knew that the players, they're all experienced enough to where I knew that they could pull it off without dragging the group down.
1: How long did it take?
3: A lot longer than I thought, actually, because one of them is a drow druid. So you know how drow, and no, this is not racial profiling. You know how all drow are, it's how is.
1: <laughs>
3: they mastermind, they manipulate, and they have their own machinations, and they're, what did Robert Downey Jr. say? Their secrets have secrets. And so the player Tommy is sitting there playing this Drow Druid. And then finally my NPC, the rigid type of peacekeeper soldier, male Aaron Sun type character, said something that just set Tommy's character off. I pull out my gun and I just looked at the group, looked at Tommy, and I said, roll initiative. And they're looking at me and Tommy like, you two idiots are going to do this now. I'm like, yeah, we might as well get it out of our system. So we did it. But I was expecting... Player or not player conflict, um, character conflict because I wanted,
1: I said, uh, anything except chaotic evil. You set that up and then you got what you, you got what you wanted.
3: Well, yeah, yeah, I didn't get what I deserved because we still have common goals. Everybody's been kidnapped, so their main goal is to get home. That's why this is like Farscape meets Eberron. You know, all the characters are thrown together, they all have their separate agendas. Their one goal is that they are escaped prisoners. All these guys woke up out of cryostasis in a, well, sort of crash-landed ship. So they had to learn to work together despite their vast differences. And, I mean, they're from different cultures, uh, game worlds, uh, different alignments. So, I mean, it's a wide range of personality conflicts that are going to go on in this campaign. And I meant it to do that. And they're all experienced enough to know not to let it get to where the players are. Well, one character one player did change characters, but she just wasn't seeing it as a fit. And she brought in a new character and it seems to be fitting better. So that that's just, you know, that was a minor hiccup. Other than that, yeah, I was looking for the interplay between various alignments and the coalition because you got the lawful lawful evil, neutral, evil character together, you got all the good characters together. The lawful neutral NPC I have is like okay, yeah, they kind of look at me because my people did this, even though I've told them I've rejected their 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 way of life. And so there's all these coalitions going on, and they'll shift because of the fact that, depending on various needs at the time, you might end up having the lawful neutral and the lawful evil character working together because they have that code of honor, albeit they're different codes, but they still appreciate that need for order and rationale and codifying everything
1: dude you could you could have lawful good and lawful evil in the same party in that i mean the reason why they work together is that if they've been brought in on a deal right they will it's like oh I, I hate you but i'm gonna honor the deal because they're lawful
3: yes well the lawful evil character played by sven on my show Basically, he was an, a mobster, gangster, organized criminal from Waterdeep. Imagine like the Mafia or the Triads, and the Mafia have their code of Omerda. You don't rat on your friends. You do certain things certain ways. You always protect the family. And he, Steve does that pretty well. And I had to explain to him once I, said, I told him he might want to look up Omerda. He's played the character a lot better. So, yeah, and I have my lawful neutral character who's more of a soldier, kind of. So it's like, yeah, they don't like each other, but they have that need for, I need to have my life with these rationales, these, this code of conduct. Our code of conducts might not agree, but we appreciate that in each other. It's just my character looks and, you know, looking at Steve's character and going, you're a phallus. I just want you to know this. <laughs> You're a phallus. <laughs> character infighting, if you bring it out as part and parcel of the campaign, and you have experienced players, and well, my nephew had to quit the campaign, but all of the players have at least five years, at least five years of gaming experience. So they know keep player and character, you know, don't meta game. Keep the player and character separate. As I said, the combat just blew up at one time, and it was great. And then we, you know, got it out of system. We were done. <laughs> Send a couple characters to the infirmary, and we were good. <laughs> yeah, get a bandage on that. That is, uh, don't get infected.
1: <laughs> Let's wrap it up. I think we've pretty much covered it fairly well. Anybody have anything they want to add to this before we uh, put a bow on it?
3: Other than
0: you know, talk, talk to each other. If someone's causing problems, talk and don't accuse, talk to them and don't talk at them. Talk to them. Those are two different things.
1: I was going to try try to understand where the other person's coming from. Yeah, have a conversation.
3: Don't have a speech. Game masters, try to nip things in the bud beforehand. If you know your players, try to make it where this stuff won't happen. And that's just a matter of prescience based on experience of a game master. If you know that certain players are gonna do things try to you know just make it where it will people are people they're gonna do things try to lessen the instance of it happening based on what you know of your players preventive medicine again
1: don't set them up and then be mad when they follow through with what you set them up to do yeah.
3: if you
0: have numerous goals don't be surprised Guys, if your players decide to split the party and go after all of them at the same time.
1: Right, right.
2: Bruce? 90% of all problems can be resolved by preparation, either because it provides you with the time you need in order to pay more attention to things that are around you because you're not constantly trying to get on top of things that you should have prepared ahead of time, or because you've done enough what-if scenarios in your head that you're able to move in directions that may not be optimal for your play, but actually might mirror the the players' play better because now you've taken the time to understand them. All
1: right, so that's that's all great advice. I hope none of you run into player infighting ever, because that's all that's the worst. Um, if you have to split your party, may it always be. Uh, split right down the, the wishbone where it should be. If you're going to do character infighting and you can have fun with it, then then that's awesome because that, that leads to some of the best adventures, just as long as it's not all the time because then that gets annoying. And just you know, be mindful of each other. Be nice.
2: If you have to split the party, make sure that one path leads to beer and the other path leads to pizza. <laughs> right.
0: And somewhere along the line, they meet back together again.
1: All right, and I think that will do it for this episode of the TriTac Podcast. We will see you all next week.
2: This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep
1: those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players.
3: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers, this was the TriTech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under
0: the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be half your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.